0: And welcome to the Across the Pod podcast, newly part of the Say It Again Network. I'm your host, Andy, and I'm here for a week one review of the NFL. After a long off season, we are back and the NFL is rocking and already back to its usual tricks. My week one guest is a returning guest. You might have heard on our Minnesota Vikings season preview episode. I'm here with Lewis. How are you?
1: Very well, thank you. It's great to jump back on with you again.
0: Yeah, Likewise, good to have you back on and I think it's especially good to have you on considering how the week went, not only for yourself but also for the league in general.
1: Yeah, it was, um, it was exciting all mm-hmm. round. I was already so hyped after the uh, early games and then with the Vikings turning up how they did, it was, uh, it was a good day.
0: Yeah, definitely. And um, let's get into Australia away, actually. So, obviously, the, we will go on to the other games later on in the pod, but obviously, you're a Vikings fan, and the Vikings result in week one. saw so the Minnesota Vikings shock the Green Bay Packers, 23 points to 17. Kirk Cousins had 277 yards. The leading rusher was Dalvin Cook with 90 yards, and the leading receiver was Justin Jefferson with 184 yards. On the other end of the spectrum, Aaron Rodgers had a... A disappointing day like he did last week. um He really struggled for me to get out there and I think there was a big drop from Christian Watson, the rookie wide receiver, and it was a lot of um, mistakes made by the Packers team. So in terms of yourself, Lewis, as a Vikings fan, obviously your team's got a big win in your division as well. um How did you feel watching this game?
1: Kevin O'Connell was swagging up and down the sideline. You know, it was amazing. The play calling, they just could not contain Jefferson at all. They didn't know where he was lining up, where he was going. And um, on defence as well, they really stepped up. I was pretty confident with the um, defence this year, as I mentioned on the show last time. And um, yeah, Sidarius Smith, he had a sack and he stopped Dylan uh, uh, fourth and goal at one point and um that obviously the Harrison Smith interception is something like um Rodgers had scored 38 touchdowns without a pick against um divisional rivals until then um they they all stepped up Jordan Hicks was immense as well um but yeah Justin Jefferson sold a show like you said 184 yards i think he had 158 in the first half alone and Cousins was just solid as a rock 23 out for 32 and 277 yards. I think um, Rogers probably badly missed the two tackles that was out and obviously Devontae Adams would not have dropped that what Watson did.
0: Yeah, I think he had more yards in the Raiders game than the whole the wide receiver call did for Green Bay. So I think what do you feel about the Packers now in terms of the NFC North? Because week one is the biggest over the week. A lot of results happen in week one don't often reflect the rest of the season, whether that's down to teams not being quite fresh, if, especially if starters don't play in the pre Um, But is this a, how good of a sign is this for you, that like you can firstly compete with the Packers and beat them, but also in terms of getting out one-up on them already for the rest of the year in terms of trying to win that division?
1: In In terms of winning the division, I still think it will be close. Because, you know, the Packers have started slow in the past when Jameis Winston threw for, like, five touchdowns or something, that was week one. And they didn't look up to scratch this week. But he'll figure it out. And they got the Bears next. And we've all seen what happens when Aaron Rodgers is angry. (laughs) And the Bears aren't very good. So I think they'll win that one. But for Minnesota, they just got to keep doing what they um, started, really, I think it was um, quite impressive, really one-sided as well. Greg Joseph making a a personal best field goal after being immaculate in camp as well, so all things went well.
0: Yeah, and I think it's definitely a good side to see, I mean, obviously we are only week one so there's still a lot of time left but you know you've got the eagles and lions in the next two games the eagles whilst they score a lot of points they also conceded a lot of points in their game against the lions and then the lions in week three you would think is a almost a guaranteed win so i think you know if they are the bears put up, we'll mention the bears later on but the bears put up a good show defensively in their game on the weekend i think they'll give the packers definitely a, a shock i still think they'll win that the packers but i do think that will give you guys and Kevin O'Connell, O'Connell, on his first ever game as a coach. Really big confidence going into the next time you play them. I think it's January the first you play them next at Lambeau. So quite a long way away before you play them next. And I think I'm hoping for a neutral point of view that we will get uh, this division deciding game when it comes to that on New Year's Day. But but yeah, I think the Vikings to me they look excellent. I didn't, don't think they put a lot a lot wrong. Obviously, you watched it more than myself. Was there any concerns in that game? Did anything worry you or was it pretty much a perfect perfect performance?
1: I mean, the, the thing I was most dubious about um, in the off-season was the interior of the defensive line and they didn't really do much wrong. Like They sort of contained Dylan and Jones didn't get hardly any work in the passing game or rushing, but they they didn't allow him to go ballistic or any massive break-off runs like for stupid yards and I think they were quite solid they need to build on it though um no nah, it was not flawless but it was very good display
0: yeah I agree I didn't see a lot wrong with that performance um because course, that was a game on at 9.25 UK time, the other 9.25 games. So the Arizona Cardinals get humiliated by the Kansas Chiefs, 44-21. The Chargers beat the Raiders, 24-19. And then the other shock was already was the Giants beating the 10, the Tennessee Titans, 21-20. So going back to right at the start of the week, was the Thursday night football game between Buffalo Bill and the Los Angeles Rams, which the Bills... 13110. It was a definitely a poor performance from the remaining champions. Um, but Josh Allen completely ran the show. He had the most passing yards, 297, the most rushing yards 56. But Cooper Cup did lead the way with the rushing yards, which ended up being 157 coming his way. Matt Stafford struggled a lot, had one touchdown, three picks, um, was sacked seven times, um, had a 240 yards, but only a 23.6 quarterback rating. Uh, rushing wise the Los Angeles Rams struggled with as well. Daryl Henderson had the most was 47, his longest run with 18 yards. But yeah, Cooper Cup had 128 and Diggs had 122. So them two sort of stole the show offensively, as well as Josh Allen. Then defensively, you know, the leading sacker fell to uh, Jordan Phillips as well as um, Epinesa, with also Greg Rousseau and Basham, getting in in the act. Obviously, that and donald got a sack as well, as well as Bobby Wagner for the Rams. But again, we mentioned week one being an over, over-exaggeration week, but does that give you any indication about the season going ahead? Because firstly, how good were the Bills? And secondly, was that a worry for the Rams or was that just week one jitters?
1: Josh Allen sent out a statement to the league, I think, um, like you say, with Diggs having 122 yards, six less than Cup, yeah, but I think it was four less receptions. But he also supported Gabriel Davis as a wide receiver too for 88 yards and a score, plus the bomb 47-yard throw to set up for his own rushing touchdown. He It it was a masterclass. I said it on another pod last week on Friday, and he, he was just fantastic. Bad night at the office for Jalen Ramsey probably helped. He just could not cover whoever he was trying to cover. Um, But the Bills D, for me, they stepped up. Stafford had that elbow issue. Maybe that's lingering still. But uh, possibly he missed Andrew Whitworth a lot as that big man in front. And, um, yeah, the Bills D stepped up. Von Miller, I thought, was fantastic as well. But... um, I'm not sure if it's um, something for the long term. I think it is more of a blip for the Rams. And that's as hard a start as you can get to the season as defending Super Bowl champions.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, looking at the Rams, I mean, how often do you see a team go into a season opener as the champions, home home game, and they play the Super Bowl favourites? I mean, trying to think back to previous week, previous years with, you know, the... The opening day and I can't think of anything the Eagles had the Falcons I want to say on the opening day when they won it and the Patriots I I just can't think of anyone having that hard of a start to a season I mean Packers as Bears was one but that was down to being 100th of the year but most times the team goes into a season as a champions it's rare race to even get a good team so I think it's um I mean the NFL schedule makers knew exactly what they were doing with that with that sort of scheduling and I think that um the rounds are having much easier looking at the next few games of course they face the Falcons next and then the Cardinals and both of them let let um you know at least sixty, seventy points combined go against them in week one. So I think they'll end at week three, two and one. And I think then that'll give them confidence. I think, you know, I do think Adam Robinson will get more targets because if he carries on performing like that or getting the amount of carries that he's getting then I don't think he'll have much of a good season, but I think they will use him next week and the week after. And I think they were just up against a really good team and I do think they'll play the Falcons next week, they'll get the win, a nice confidence boost and then on to week three, four, five, et cetera, and they'll be back to the team You know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, it, it's almost like Stafford was a one-trick pony. I mean, it's fantastic that he picked up where he left off with Cup, but they do need that second man to step up because I think Higby was their um, second target on Thursday, five five receptions and like less than 50 yards or maybe just over 50 yards but they do need that, you know, Odell Beckham Jr or Robert Woods before he got hurt last year they need that second player to sort of step up and say, right let's play and Alan Robinson's got the tools to do it but, you know, a new offence and things like that but I think
0: he'll come good. Yeah, I mean, you have to think he would because apart from last year, he's had many, many good seasons with Chicago playing under some pretty average quarterbacks. So I think now he's got a good quarterback and obviously a great coach as well, not just a great quarterback. I do think that he will surely at some point get it right. So I think we will will wait and see on that one. Um, In terms of the rest of the games, heading on back to Sunday, the 6pm slot, Uh, The Falcons blew another lead as they lost 27-26 to the New Orleans Saints. The Bears, we mentioned before, they got a shock win in a rainy environment to the 19-10 win over the San Francisco 49ers at Soldier Field. The Detroit Lions, we saw them last season, fight back, and they did the same thing again. They fought back but couldn't quite get the win as they lost 38-35 to the Philadelphia Eagles. The Dolphins beat the Patriots 27, and the Baltimore Ravens beat the Jets 24-9. And the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Washington, sorry, lost to the Washington Commanders 28-22. Um, and then the other one was a bit of a shock result. It was a, it was a tie, the first tie of the year. The Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans uh, were level at 20 apiece. And now the last two games we want to focus on in that slot, first of all, is the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers won this game by 23-20 to in overtime. But this was a game for me that was absolutely crazy. I mean, had the Pittsburgh Steelers led this game for a long time, I want to say it was 27 at one point to Steelers. And the Bengals call it back with a very impressive touchdown from Jamar Chase right at the end. But then the field goal from Evan, sorry, the extra point from Evan McPherson was blocked by Minka Fitzpatrick. And then that led the game to overtime. I believe both teams missed a field goal before then Chris Boswell got the winning kick right at the end. How crazy was that, Lewis? I mean, also, I'm guessing you are watching on red zone because the Vikings weren't playing at that point. When you were watching this game, just how nuts was it? Yes,
1: yeah, so I, I missed the, um, most of the overtime period. Um, but it was absolutely back and forward, back and forward. The Steelers, I think it was their first 17 points come from forcing a turnover, mm. getting the ball back. Obviously, they had to pick six, uh, Minka. But... Joe Burrow turned the ball over five times. You would not think that is someone that has just led his team to the Super Bowl. Him and Matt Stafford both had games like to be forgotten. He did bring it back a bit um in the second half. But um the Steelers D was great. They were fantastic. You obviously had TJ Watt before he got hurt. Alex Highsmith stepped up massively. The pass rush, they did not give Joe Burrow a second. And um yeah, like the Minka pick six. Money Mac, a bit of a rough night with kicking. Obviously, the blocked extra point And I think it was a 29-yard field goal. We missed their bread and butter. But I have read it was a different um, long snapper than who he had last year when he was incredible. So, yeah, but what a crazy match.
0: It really was. I mean, for me, it was a shock to see because, first of all, yeah, the biggest takeaway from that Super Bowl loss was the fact that they needed to upgrade their offensive line, the Bengals, and they did that. They got Lyle Collins, they got... Um, I think it was Ted Karras or Alex Kappa, one or two, maybe both. Um, and they upgraded that position, but yet they didn't actually look any better. I think they got sacked seven times, obviously through four deceptions. Um, yeah, I think that is a worry for me because I know it's week one, and I did say it's no exaggeration week, but to be sacked that many times just after they had the same thing against the Rams, I think it's a worry. And I think that they're lucky now that TJ Watt may be out for a few weeks because I think the Steelers look very good. I think that they may have been a contender for me for the division, but now they've had that injury, which might be for the season, if not four to six weeks. I do think that They'll probably have a difficult season. I mean, Mitch Tabisky threw 194 yards, one touchdown, zero picks. So he was very solid and looked for me very solid, um, which is a complete contrast to Burrow, who still led the league the game with almost double Trubisky's yards. So um for me, absolutely crazy. I mean, to of Mitch Tabisky and the Steelers, I mean, I thought he looked really comfortable. I thought he looked like he knew what he's doing. He, obviously, we all said before the offseason before the season started that he may well be better. I thought he would be better because of the Mike Tomlin factor, and it's proved it in week one, whilst not outstanding, solid and did the job. Um, but is to what is the injury to what now a huge worry for you in terms of the rest of the
1: season for the Steelers? I mean, it's hard not to worry about it. He's arguably the best defensive player in the league. Um that defense runs through him, similar to the Rams with Aaron Donald. He's the main guy on that defense. Alex Highsmith had a great game. Will he be able to produce the same quality with TJ? What the other with without TJ? What the other side? Who knows? You know, um, it's a worry. But the offense was good. Trubisky's obviously still getting up to speed a little bit as well, maybe. But he was solid enough. Um, they utilised Chase Claypool in a sort of Debo Samuel role. He had a few rushes. He did at the back end of last season as well. Um, I think they they did. They looked good. If TJ Watt weren't hurt, you'd think, hang on a minute, are the Steelers the team to watch in that division? But it's a, it's a massive blow.
0: Yeah, it's huge. I mean... I think, you know, the, the way that team's been over the years and that defensive identity they've had, I I still think without him, you know, they've got Brian Flores and now he's one of their coaches. And I do think they'll still be good. But I think that missing edge, that missing factor they'll be having without, what, that true X factor they've got on their team that has now gone, I do think that will be a massive, massive problem for him. And also the fact that, you know, they he they, um, got four interceptions and sacked him, and only just lost, really, you think most teams would punish that, you'd think most good teams, I think that's a worry for both teams, the fact that they, Steelers couldn't get the job done, despite sacking him seven times and intercepting four times, but also, um, you know, the Bengals, fair play to them, they got back, but against a good team, that game would have been over in the first half, really, so I think there's a worry for both teams for me, I still think they'll both have winning seasons at the end of it, if not at least one of them will, um, but For me, that game is a big worry. I think that was really a loss for both teams, if I'm honest. Neither team really covered themselves in in absolute glory in that game. Um, But the other game that was on at 6pm was the Baker Mayfield derby as the Cleveland Browns took on the Carolina Panthers. Friend of the show, Paul Brown, was actually at this game in Carolina, uh, which saw the Cleveland Browns win the game with a last minute field goal. Uh, Baker Mayfield was the story he got a rushing touchdown and threw for 235 yards as well as an amazing uh, pass to Robbie Anderson in this game as well but in the end the Browns did get the win obviously without Deshaun Watson uh, Jacoby Brissett came into the game and obviously he was I thought he was fine, he was really good and the cream hunt showed his ability to catch as well as run Um, so obviously the Browns have got fairly favourable for seven games or so uh, I think in their schedule so Even without Deshaun Watson, can you see the Browns still being a good team or do you think it was just the fact they are up against Matt Rule?
1: It's a a tough one. I mean, the Browns' defence, they covered DJ Moore so well Mm. in that game, all game as well. And, you know, DJ Moore, like, he's been so consistent throughout his NFL career with worse quarterbacks than Baker Mayfield. Um kareem hunt he's playing for someone to come and get him you know he's not going to be around in cleveland too long so he showed up it's that they've obviously have amari cooper as well nick chubb they're loaded both sides of the ball whether or not jacoby brissett can repeat this performance week in week out because you like you say he was quite solid is another story. I'm not sold on it, even with the schedule being favourable, maybe.
0: Yeah, and I I you know from experience last season, that set, it's not your guy to play the whole season. He's a good guy from now and again, but for me, he was pretty bad for a lot of his time he played for us last year. Um, I think when they get the Sean Watson back, it's going to be a different story. And I think maybe not this year, but I think next year. Provided they get good players in or they keep what they've got right now. I do think they will be a team to really watch out for next year once he is back. I've got some beef I want to have with Panthers and their coaching staff because on fancy, last season, two years ago, I had Robbie Anderson, right? Did absolutely wonders for me. Took him last year in the draft. DJ Moore gets all the touches, all the receptions. So this year, I draft DJ Moore. And what happens the first game? He has seven yards and one carry rushing wise and receiving wise. He had 43 yards from three receptions. They they're clearly targeting Robbie Anton a lot more, even though he only had two more receptions. Um and that's why I I want McCaffrey got points to me so it was fine, but I want to say make your mind up because I, I can't keep picking your wide receivers and end up it costs me both games. So um yeah no, that's, that's my last my little beef with Calan even though I love the city and I'm looking forward to going there in the next few weeks um overall. Yeah, I've got some real problems with, with their wide receiver. I don't think I don't think next year I'm going to touch any of them with the barge pole, to be honest, unless someone falls late in the draft. Um, other games we saw in the NFL. Um, of course, that was all the 6 pm and all the 9pm slots. But the final game on Sunday night saw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers travel to Dallas, to take on the Dallas Cowboys, and this was for me one of the worst games of the week. A 19-3 win for the the, the Buccaneers. And to be honest, the Dak Prescott has gone injury now, so he will miss up to four to six weeks, which is a big, big blow for the Cowboys, which may well stop them winning the NFC East. Um, but I thought for me, Tom Brady wasn't outstanding, but got the job done and threw for over 200 yards, one pick, one touchdown. And I thought for me, the Cowboys really showed for me their lack of depth in the receiving position because CD Lamb. I think whilst he's proved to be a good number two guy, he's yet to prove it as number one. And I think from that first game, that is a worry because he didn't exactly have his best game. And then, of course, apart from that, they had no one else really to throw to. And I think that's a worry for the Cowboys this year. Meanwhile, for the Buccaneers, I thought they were fine, looked good defensively. So I think they were fine as well. But in terms of going back to the Cowboys, Lewis, how much of a worry is that, the fact that they had no one really to throw to apart from them?
1: C.D. Lamb had 11 targets and caught two of them. Now, even with Dak out, if he gets that same volume, you'd like to think that he's going to come up with more than that. He's a very talented player. But for him to be able to, you know, get open and some more single coverage in man when it matters and things like that, someone needs to take some sort of role and put up some other yards outside of him. Um, They didn't utilise their running backs in the passing game, really. Um, You had Dalton Schultz, who was rubbish, who was obviously um, scripted to step up a bit. And obviously the hand injury is a massive worry. But, ah. I, I don't know. It's just the Cowboys. They they always seem to be touted well, and then let us all down.
0: It felt like it's like almost like Groundhog Day every year. All I can hear, I mean, I don't actually don't really actually mind the Cowboys. I know a lot of people don't like the Cowboys, but every year fans, you know, whether fans or whether it's the media, always picking up the Cowboys, always saying, like, you know, uh, Michael Irvin's a big example of this on TV. He always every year said the Cowboys to make it, but. Frankly, every year they disappoint. And I think I've never really been a big, the biggest Dak Prescott fan. Um, and I think I think even with that, I still think he's gonna be a massive miss. I don't think Cooper, Cooper Rush is the answer for the six weeks. Um, and yeah, the receiving game, Lamb had the third most yards was 29, and the most yards fell for Brown was 68 from five receptions. But looking at the next two games, they've got the Bengals next, which even though the Bengals had a tough game. I'm sure they'll be back to their good ways in this game, and then they got the Giants next. Who, even though they, it wasn't pretty, they got the win. So I think they could easily end this spell 0 and three. I think that's that's a worry because the Eagles won their first game. They could easily win the next two, or at least one of them. I know they're playing you guys next. Um, so I just think that if they start the season 0 and three, you know, I think that's a really worrying sign. If, the, if they're only three games or two games behind the Eagles, and I think that's going to be a big mountain to climb so I don't think the Cowboys got the easiest schedule and I don't think that even they showed it even with Dak there they didn't exactly have the guys to throw to so I think this season even though it's just one week I think for me I don't know what you think Lewis I think this could be a really hard season for the Cowboys
1: I think it's going to be a long season now, especially with Dak. You, like, they've um, said four to six weeks, but then early reports were saying he might not be back before his bye week, which is week nine. Mm. And then it, it, it's just a, going to be an uphill struggle. But on the other side of that game, Brady managed it. He wasn't fantastic by any means. Leonard Fournette was the star of the show. Um, over 120 yards on the ground fantastic um, a big pass blocking uh, pass rush um, block was uh, leaked on Twitter not leaked but shown of him putting Michael Parsons into the dirt and it was hilarious because there was having a bit of back and forth on it as well and um, yeah the Bucks looked good but I think the Cowboys could struggle especially with their next two games
0: yeah, I mean, as well for me, I thought the Mike Evans catch was brilliant, flat touchdown. I mean, I'm one of the biggest Mike Evans fans you'll probably find in, in the podcast world, and I think he's absolutely brilliant. And he showed me again why he is one of the best in the game, and I thought he was brilliant once again, 71 yards off. He got the touchdown, um, five receptions from seven targets, so he was pretty reliable when he had the ball targeted. I thought Julio Jones had some sort of an impact as well. I think that he is someone that has to have a lot of question marks going into the year. I think a lot of people were looking at his last two years, you know, last year at Tennessee and the year before his last year at Atlanta. But I thought, even though he wasn't obviously the main guy in this game, I thought he made a brilliant catch in the game. And also, I think when he was relied upon, I think he delivered.
1: I, I think it suits him now being the second or third hmm. target on the team. Because um, he can still come up with it. But having sort of, you know, more targets and things like that, he can't do it all the time and that's just a natural thing with age unless your name's Tom Brady <laughs> but I think it will suit him in Tampa Like you've, you've got Russell Gage there, Godwin's touted to miss a few weeks now with the hamstring Um, and yeah I, I think he'll be an alright, have an alright season
0: Yeah I agree with all the fact that I like Matt Ryan I like Tannehill but neither of them are, are Tom Brady and I think now he's got He's Playing for for me the best callback of all time in a very limited role, I think that will suit him down to the ground. And I think that, yeah, as you said, with Godwin out with no Brown or Gronk anymore, you know, I think he'll probably be the third, at most, second choice, if not third choice, receiver, or maybe even fourth choice. But I think he'll do a really good job. I think coming in for even for the big plays or the big sort of moments, he'll be definitely ready for that because he's experienced it being a super bowl had a, one of the best catches that we've never really talked about because they lost the game. And that, that lead obviously got destroyed against the Patriots. But I think, yeah, I think he's primed for a really good year. Um, right, for the final game, we've got 10 minutes left of the recording. So our last game happened uh, the early hours of this morning as Russell Wilson returned to Seattle to face his former Seahawks side and lost. It was a sec- 17-16 win for the Broncos. Uh, Russell Wilson did have 340 yards, one touchdown. Gino Smith was really impressive. He obviously was Wilson's replacement and his backup for many years. He had almost 200 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Denver Broncos were the first team since I think it was 1984, they were saying, to have two uh, fumbles at the one-yard line in the same game. Um, I think that was the Chiefs, they said. Um, Tight ends were good for Seattle, but DK Metcalf was okay, but not great. But for me, the biggest talking point of this game for me, the timeout timeout management right at the end. I mean, there was a minute and a half left. I thought Seattle, you know, they could have easily, they had one timeout left, it was fourth down. I thought they could have done it then, but they waited, as did the Broncos, who I thought could have easily you know, used use one of the timeouts and, and hope they can get down the field. But they relied on McManus. They went to him to try and win in the game. I think it was a 62-yard field goal, which would have been the second, joint second, um, you know, biggest field goal of all time, and they missed it. So what were your thoughts on that, Lewis, as well as the whole game in general?
1: I think from the very first minute of the game, well, from the very first time they was in anyway, the Broncos' play calling was just strange for the whole match. Um, Tom Strachan pointed out on Twitter earlier, the Seahawks had two rookie cornerbacks, and the Broncos done nothing to capitalise on it, apart from the one Mm. um, long touchdown to Jerry Judy. Which put him over a hundred yards on the night, but only four catches. Then you had Javante Williams out of the backfield, doing what he should be doing against a Seahawks defense, which ain't very good against pass-catching running backs. He had eleven catches, but then they only gave him seven rush attempts and pulled him out whenever they was on the goal line. And it just it 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 just didn't make no sense to me at all what the Broncos were trying to accomplish in that game um they've obviously paid Russ he's come in but it was quite underwhelming even though he went over 300 yards and things like that like it just it was a bit scrappy and it suited the Seahawks down to the ground
0: yeah I thought this was an absolute great coaching performance from Pete Carroll I think that a lot, like myself, wrote him off, but I think that game proved that he's still a good head coach but I do say, do you think as well the whole thing with the Broncos was down to the inexperience
1: of Nathaniel Hackett at the head coach level? Potentially. Um, I mean, I I was chuffed that we got Kevin O'Connell rather than any of the others really, but I, I, I did think that Hackett was primed for a head coach role and he would do really well, but he can only learn from his mistakes. Of course, you know week one, he'll probably go back and watch the film and think, "What was I doing?" Mm. And yeah, it can only get better, surely. Uh, they're littered with talent, both sides of the ball.
0: Yeah, and I think yeah, so we also I think again the Broncos are going to be fine. I think it probably I think it was probably down to a lack of experience in the head coach. I mean love these players you know it's getting used to a new system and I think that is a big thing. I mean they got the Texans next so I think if they if they lose there I think it could be a worry but I think you know they they won't be long before they play they got the Raiders and the Colts after that the Chargers before the Jet and the Jaggers they could easily you know they could easily lose the 49ers Raiders Colts and Chargers. Um, so I do think that there's a worry for them there because this was on paper one of their most winnable games. I think everyone before the season was you know sort of thinking the Seahawks would win only a handful of games and I think the Seahawks have shocked everyone by winning this game and I do think that they need to start winning quickly otherwise they'll be that division's so tight and so competitive you, you feel it's going to be I think they can't really afford to be three or four games behind the rest when it comes to week seven or eight so I think Russell Wilson knows what he's doing I think he'll get them back to winning ways but I think this is why I picked no AFC team to make it who hasn't got new head coach but I do think that will take teams time to adjust and I think that will be a worry for them this season but that has been the end of our week one review we will be doing a week two preview later on this
1: week so do check that out as well Um, but yeah thank you Lewis for coming on once again yeah no problem had a lot of fun again and uh, yeah until next time I suppose
0: yeah definitely and we will see you guys later in the week